How many are really glad you served the Lord? Hallelujah. You know, we, we have so many miracles at Family Worship Center. It's become, you know, you, you talk about a miracle, you talk about what God is doing because, you know, I, I, it's almost amazing to us and it should be. And yet we become so satisfied with it. We don't, we don't realize that we need to give him thanks and we need to be appreciative of what he's doing, you know, in a church like this. You know, just as an example, last week, a lady in our church was having a thyroid issue. I think they had described her as having thyroid cancer or something like that. It was a major thyroid problem. She had had us pray for it, came up and said, would you pray? Now, the Bible says, well, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Look at somebody and say, thank God I'm going to recover. Say this, thank God I'm coming out. So we laid hands on her and she was supposed to go in that next week. I guess it was last week, I'm going to say. And she was supposed to go into the doctor's office and have procedures done to her thyroid. And so they went in, they dressed her up, put the gown on her, put the salve on her throat, laid her down on the table to do this uh, investigation or whether they were doing some form of surgery or whatever they were going to do. Laid her down on the table and just before they went to do it, they'd done other tests and things. And so all of a sudden they come running back in that one of the nurses or the doctor comes running back and says, we need to do one more test. And they did one more test, I guess, based on whatever. And when they came back in after that, they told her, put your clothes back on. There's nothing there. That's on the doctor's table. Somebody ought to say, thank God for it. I'll take that. Somebody say, I'll take that. I had a lady come in one time. This is what we've got to be thankful for. He's the same yesterday, today, and further. Look at somebody and say, he's the same. Come on, tell him he's the same. same. Whatever he did, he does. Whatever he is doing, he will do. Somebody say amen. Amen. Look at somebody, he's going to do it for me. Come on, I know you're you're under the weather, but today I know you're shopped out and you'll be able to shop. I'm going to let you go early today so you can hit Walmart again. Amen. But listen, somebody ought to shout out, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. You ought to shout that out for yourself. God's good to me all the time. And all the time, God is good to me. Hallelujah. How many know he's bringing us out all the time? He's taking us over all the time. He's causing us to run when we ought to be walking. He's causing us to raise up when we ought to be laying down. What should have took us down can't take us down. Because God will just make us walk right over the top of it. You, you know, you ought to just start walking on the water a little bit yourself. I mean, just start believing God that when the trials come and tribulations come and issues come and challenges, that you've got power on the inside of you that's greater than the challenge, greater than the issue, greater than the problem, greater than them. You're just going to stand up where everybody else might lay down. You're going to get up, put your head up. He said, lift up your heads that hang down for the Lord of glory comes down. Let God come down and come into your life. Let him come in and take control. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I mean it. Just shout it out. Hallelujah. I'm not going to preach and you're not going to shout. I'm going to preach and you're going to shout. Look at somebody say, we're going to shout a little bit today. Come on, do it one more time. Shout hallelujah. That's right. Now we're getting somewhere. If God be for us, it just does not matter who it was against us. I'm going to give you a minute on that one. It don't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter what's come against you. I got a phone call from a lady in my church who was uh, somehow involved in the school board. Somehow, I don't remember all the story as far as her, her employment was concerned. But a friend of hers had come down with a disease. It was cancer. 
she had cancer in her breast. And so I didn't know a whole story. I just knew there was a disease and, and that she uh, uh, needed a healing and a miracle. Lady was on the school board. I don't know which one, but one of the school boards. And so I'm out working in the yard. This is, you know, I don't, I'm not one of these stand still guys. I like to do stuff. I'm not, you know, I'm just like you guys. I mean, when I get up here, I just wait for the anointing to come. Because if it's not anointed, it's just a speech. And I don't know about nobody else, but I don't just need a speech. God, let me hear something. Let one word come out of that man's mouth that had your finger on it. Let one word, just I don't care what it is, but God, that one word can come out of his mouth that will transform my tomorrows and my next week's God. Because I know when you speak, your words are spirit and they are life. That's what we pray for, right? God, let the Holy Ghost talk. I don't just need another sermonette. I don't need another story time. I need some anointing to come off the throne. I need the presence of God to come. And I need somebody to say something that comes right out of heaven. And when it does, I'm going to see the hand of God work in my family. It's going to work in my wife and I. It's going to work in my children because God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above this Christmas. You ought to be believing God for that exceedingly, abundantly above. Somebody ought to shout it out. I believe for exceedingly, abundantly, and above. It's not just going to be, I keep saying this, and if it doesn't get into you, I don't know what to do. It's not just enough. It's not wasn't enough. It's more than enough. This Christmas, you ought to be expecting, God, that you're going to be able to say, like me, I had the best Thanksgiving I've ever had. And I believe next year will be better than this year. And the year after that, well, you might say, well, something may come up, but the Lord will deliver me out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I tell you now, if you'll just get it down on the inside, you might have some affliction. There might be some challenge. It might look like failure, but God said, I'm going to deliver you out of them all. That's room to shout. I wish everybody in here would just shout. God's going to get me out. God's going to deliver me. God's going to turn it around. I serve an awesome, amazing, tremendous, wonderful, loving, helping, helping God. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to leave me orphaned. He's for me. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody shout a little bit. Somebody act like you've been touched by God. Somebody act like tomorrow you're going to know it. I don't have an, I don't know if I can make it, God. I don't know if I'm going to get by. I have a, I know I'm going to make it. For greater is he, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That great, big, wonderful, amazing God lives on the inside If you can't sing it in, you pray it in. If you can't pray it in, you preach it in. If I got to preach till you guys shout, I'll just preach till you shout. Somebody shout out amen. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. I got this phone call. You, I need you to pray for this lady. Never met the lady in my life. Will you pray for this lady? Will you pray? I said, absolutely bring her by. I didn't know what I was praying for. I didn't really even know at the time. I know now. I had on work clothes. I'd been working out in the yard or painting or doing something. I mean, I had paint all over me or dirt all over me. And I was just really messed up. I mean, didn't look like no preacher. And uh, came up to the office and 
They came in. They were all dressed up. I felt so, you know, out of place. Y'all ever felt that way? And uh, so they come into the office, and I didn't have a big prayer. How many know I'm talking? I just didn't have a big prayer. How many know God's not concerned about how many words you say? How many know he's concerned about what you say, not how much you say? Some of you are so worried about what God will think about your prayer. Give him a few words out of your heart. It'll be enough. I promise you, it'll be enough. Tell him out of your heart. That's why when I say, when I say to you, tell him you love him, then just say it. Just, I mean, you know, it might be hard for you to tell your children. Start by telling God. He's listening. And then let that roll off onto you. You can go in the house, look at your kid, and tell them, I love you. This Christmas, moms and dads, especially dads in this room, we are fixers. We're fixers. We like to fix things. Our goal is to fix things. And so we don't like to always show emotion. It's not part of our, our DNA. Amen. We're not all that. But there are people in this room never heard their parents say, I love you. There are parents in this room never looked across the table and just looked up and said, listen, I'm going to die one day. But before I do, you need to hear me say this. I love you. I find times I try to make room to say it. I try to make time to find it and look across the table and just look them right in the eye and say, listen, I know I don't always say it, but I love you, son. I love you, Emily. I'm an encourager. We ought to encourage our children. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm not getting enough shouting out of the men because some of y'all got your mouth tied and you need to unloose your mouth. You need to let your mouth say what's part of your DNA. When that baby came out of your, your wife's womb or the womb of a mother and you held that baby for the first time, most men have tears in their eyes because something was deposited from them and they sense that. And I'm telling you, it's called love. And if you'll allow that love to be expressed out of your mouth, you'll be a better person. It doesn't matter whether you're a failure or you made mistakes or you made, you know, because you weren't always. There's not a parent alive that lives up to every expectation of a child. But that doesn't matter. They need to hear you say, I love you. That's good preaching. That's real good preaching right there. Men, take it on today. Take that on. Take it on today. Leave this place and say, I'm going to fix it within myself to tell my children I love them. I just felt led to say that. I felt like that just needed to be said. You're not too manly to say I love you. It's not too weakling to say I love you. Reach out and tell them you love them. I have to tell Stephen all the time I'm sorry. He's my firstborn. And I would just experiment with him all the time. The other two have blessings all the time. They never get in trouble. I don't think I've whipped Brian but once in his life. Not quite sure. I've yelled at him more than once, but I've definitely not whipped him a bunch. Maybe I should have. I don't know. But I learned on Stephen, and I've had to look at Stephen and say, Stephen, I'm sorry I didn't know how to do that. Stephen, I'm sorry I didn't know what to do. Stephen, I'm sorry that that came out that way, because I don't want him to believe that I thought everything was about him. I'm preaching so good this morning. I don't, some of you men need to, there's a few men in this room that need to hear what I'm saying. This is a season of love. God gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He did that as an example so that we could live to that example. Men, release your faith of love. Preaching real good. When you go to lunch today, look across the table. Wives, come and tell me your husband did it. You come find me sometime this week and say, I want you to know, my husband decided to tell us he loves us. That'd be a miracle for some of you. So the lady comes into my office. I look like I'm just working out in the yard. They're all dressed up, look like they just come out of a board meeting. 
I didn't have a big prayer meeting. I didn't have anything big to say. I was kind of out of breath. The lady said, this lady has cancer. She's going in for surgery tomorrow. They're talking about removing her breast tomorrow. And so I said, well, let me lay hands on her. Put my hands on her head. I said, be healed in Jesus' name. I command healing to go through your body. And I command cancer to go in Jesus' name. That's all I had. I didn't have no more than that. You know, the, the Bible tells us that demons don't move by our word. They're not moved by my presence. They're moved by his presence. She had faith in what I prayed. She believed that when I prayed for her that that cancer would go. She went to the hospital the next day. Laid down on the counter. They, they had her dressed and ready to go for surgery. She could barely talk. And as they were examining her one more time. They took the gowns off, put her clothes back on, and told her to go on home. There was nothing in her body. Somebody ought to shout out amen. That's because we serve a really great God. Who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we can ask or think. You know, <coughs> I try to make you all say stuff in here because I want you to speak your faith. I want you to walk out of this room and when you get out in the real world, that when you're riding in your car and you think that everything has gone bad, we're riding in the car. And as I'm riding in the car, Stephen wants to drive. Somebody say amen. You know, when you have your wife in the car and your 15-year-old wants to drive at Thanksgiving and you as a dad go, yes, maybe you made the wrong choice. I'm just saying. We get down driving, and as we're driving, coming out of a Starbucks, thank you for Starbucks, Jesus. As we're coming out of Starbucks, there's a four-lane road with a divider in the middle. He didn't see the divider and turned in front of all the traffic. My wife starts screaming. Ah! I mean, she lights up. Ah! literally she's screaming the guy rolls down his window that's next to us and he's cussing my son out you blank 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 oh yeah oh it's bad steven's panicking you know the look right white white my first words were everybody stop screaming <laughs> i'll get us out of this we got traffic stopped. He made a U-turn, came back out through, and then I made him go back around the turn, come back out, and we're saved. Thank you, Jesus. How I many know oh, Jesus is with us all the time? But for me, again, it's my greatest Thanksgiving ever, because what could have been a disaster, Jesus showed up. And with that white on his face, I'm thinking he'll never do that again. Amen, not on purpose. And so, I mean, I mean, I could just see it. He's all white, you know, and he's all nervous. I'm getting out. You drive. You drive. And I'm like, now's not the time for me to drive. And my wife is saying, you drive. You drive. And I'm like, I'm not driving. He's going to drive. He's got to keep going. We got on some road. I don't know how or what we did. He got in the wrong lane. And all of a sudden, this car that's coming by us, this guy starts cussing us out. He did something wrong. I wasn't even paying attention. I think I was on my internet. Dad should be watching the road when their son's at 15-year-old or driving. That's what I'm telling you. You guys have to know God is with me every day, all day long. You guys might not have the same experience, but I'm telling you without him, I don't know where I would be. Can, can anybody, anybody in this room, can you say that? Can you say, without him, I don't know where I would be? Come on, be honest about it. What would you do without Jesus? 
What would you do with it? I don't know how the world wants to live without him. How could you, why would you want to go through life? So we're about running out of gas. I said, Stephen, you've got to pull over for gas. This is maybe 10 minutes later. We pulled over for gas. And when we get out for gas, the guy over here in this lane over here starts coming toward me. He says, I know you from somewhere. Are you from Pennsylvania? <laughs> no, no. I said, I'm from Florence. You from Florence? No, not from Florence. I come up here from Miami. But I know people in Pennsylvania. Yeah, there's only a few million up there. I'm sure I look like one of them. <laughs> then he goes like this. Oh, I know who you are. Y'all just about killed me a minute ago on the highway. <laughs> I said, sir, I'm so sorry. My 15-year-old wants to be a driver, doesn't have a driver's license, was driving, you know, trying to learn to drive. Oh, I'm so sorry I cussed him out. <laughs> he said, you never know what's really happening on the road, do you? You never really know who's driving. I thought, that's exactly right, man. You never know. It helped my son. God had the man he almost killed. <laughs> Drive up next to him. And he got to get the apology. Guys, God is for us. There are there, The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. You're not in this room immune. You're not immune from affliction. God does not immune you from this. But you are exempt. There's a big difference between immunity and exemption. Immunity means it's never going to happen. But it is going to happen. You're not immune. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him from them all. Look at somebody say, from all of them. You're not immune. But you're exempt. When they come, he will deliver. When they come, he will deliver. Our, our sight isn't on what comes. Our sight is always on who delivers. How many know God is our deliverer? How many know that? So I want to give you 10 things before we go about Christmas. You know, we're going into Christmas season. The next few weeks will be about Christmas. And so there'll be Christmas messages. It's what we ought to do and invite you into some things and let you know some things. I thought about 10 eternal gifts of Christmas. Just 10. 10 eternal gifts of Christmas. You got a pen or you got a highlighter or whatever. I'd highlight these or write these in my Bible or write them on a piece of paper. 10 eternal truths about Christmas. Are you ready? Here's an eternal truth about Christmas. Number one, salvation is an eternal truth. Listen to what the Bible says. There's no greater gift on earth. No greater thing can you have in your life. No greater thing can you invite someone to participate in. Nothing more important than eternity. No one you are around, no one that exists or lived today or lived yesterday or will live tomorrow in this earth the way it is now, Will, a, will be able to exempt themselves or be able to uh, be uh, 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 not die. Every friend, every relative, every person around you, it grieves us, it breaks our heart. All those things are true. And we, are, uh, we suffer great loss when people leave. People will suffer loss when you leave. But you're going to go. It's, it, it is designed by man, not by God. The only one that was ever supposed to die or have death was the devil. Death was created for the devil himself. We decided to participate in that. Man sinned against God, and by doing so, he designed himself to die. 
He created death for man. God did not create it. You know, somebody said there's a lot of questions out there. Somebody asked questions about, you know, why would God make everybody go to, go, go to hell or whatever? Why would God? I never have thought about it that way. I thought God loves me so much he won't force me to go to heaven. I mean, you got the wrong thoughts if you're thinking backwards. Why would God send somebody to hell? He doesn't. He doesn't force anybody to go to heaven. It's your choice to go. You get to choose whether or not you'll go to heaven. He doesn't make anyone go to hell. But you can choose that. You can have that choice. And so he offered to us a great plan, a plan of salvation. His wonderful plan designed before man even existed. He thought about this thing and said, I'm going to create a plan that makes sure that man has a way of salvation. Salvation is God's eternal gift to us. Christmas is about that eternal gift. It's about Jesus showing up on a day and becoming so humble that he overrode and overshadowed what was the pride of man. You may not realize this, but man was so prideful in the garden and did so much out of a prideful spirit that I want to be like God's spirit, want to control my own life spirit, want to have my own way idea that so much pride existed that it took the humility of Jesus to overcome the pride of man. I don't know if anybody thinks about it that way, but think of how humble Jesus was. He thought himself not robber to be equal with God. The Bible says that he came and made himself like a man, was born in a manger. Think about what he did. Took on humility at a level none of us could even imagine he would take on so that he could take on to him our sin. He had no sin. He was sinless. And on the day he died, he took on man's sin. He took it on so that we don't have to bear it and gave us eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. The Bible tells us God saved us by His grace when we believe. And you, can, you can't take credit for it. God did it as a gift to us. It's prepared for us. It's sitting there for every person in this room right now. God prepared the gift. He had a preparation for you. And your faith can receive the preparation. Your faith can take on His salvation, the eternal gift of God. Number two, peace that passes all understanding. God Himself has given us a roadmap to guide our lives. Peace <laughs> that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 7 says it this way. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. No matter how stressful life gets, no matter how, how many problems come, no matter how many issues occur, no matter how many challenges you face, God said he's got peace bigger than your challenge. Somebody ought to say amen. It's one that has no sense to it. I've been in situations with my own family when I lost my mom and lost my dad. In both of those situations where I stood there, my father, I had to call off the paramedics and call off the doctors from uh, continuing CPR on him. He was going and I just decided that it had been enough and had to put my hands in the air and say, that's enough. That's enough. I'd sat there for 13 days while, he, while they worked on him to try and keep him alive. And I had to lift my hands and say, that's the end. And watch them stop and watch his life fade away. And I can tell you the only thing that kept me on, day, on that day was a peace. That was greater than my own peace. Somebody ought to say amen right there. My mother in the same condition. I remember they wheeled her in. They brought her in. She'd gone off. And that night she'd had a, uh, she had a brain tumor. And they took her in. And then for 23 days we sat with her. She had a secondary brain tumor. And she came out of that one. 
And then all of a sudden, uh, through this condition she had, she, they took her off for an MRI. When they came back from the MRI, her face was completely twisted. She didn't even look like herself. Everything was in a terrible situation. And I remember walking up to her and saying to her, Mom, I love you. And I want you to live. But I think we've reached the end. I could see it on her face because she would have fought another day. But I could see if we fought another day unless there was a grand miracle. And it had to be. How many know sometimes it, 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 there's healing and then there's heaven? We got to choose sometimes between healing and heaven. We get so caught up in healing, we forget about heaven. How many know the greatest place we're ever going to go is heaven? Somebody in here needs to hear what I've got to say. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, Mom, I love you and I believe with you, but I think we've reached the end. And I watched her realize it. Her face dropped. It was nothing that she couldn't talk anymore. She barely had any consciousness, really. I just knew it was spirit to spirit at that moment. Sometimes we just speak in spirit words. And I watched her decline and, of course, had to say goodbye. But I can tell you, while I watched the time go by, God came in the room with me. He spent time with me, and he gave me a peace that was beyond my own peace. Jesus came, and the eternal truth of Jesus is that we have peace beyond normal peace. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Number three, provision. God has given us great provision. God has promised that he will provide for us. Through Jesus Christ, we are promised eternal provision, not just what is to come. He said that which is of this life and that which is to come. How I many know God wants to give you both here and there? God expects you to have heaven on earth. Look at somebody and say heaven on earth. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God, that same God who takes care of me, will supply all my needs from His glorious riches, which we have seen that He has given to us through Jesus Christ. My God shall supply all my needs. Look at somebody and say, It's already taken care of. You didn't get here by accident. You didn't get here by accident. You're not sitting here today because you were here by accident. I mean, I, I, the Lord put a man on my heart. God just put him on my heart. I, I, I met him. At, uh, I won't go into the whole details, but I've never as a pastor felt led to do what I've done in this situation. 20 years I've been doing this. Young man needed help, and I, I, I met him at a, at, a, at a thing. It was a school thing, and the Lord had put him on my heart. And I didn't know much about him, but I started talking to him. You know, it was one of those kid things. My kid's there. I just start talking to this kid. As I'm talking to him, a lady comes up to me and says, do you know anything about him? And I said, no. She said, come sit down. So I sat down next to her and she said, the situation. And let me tell you something. It was all, everything you could imagine. It was one of those kind of things where I told my kids, son, you don't know how many children at your school. They may talk big and talk bad, but you don't know if their dad's at home. You don't know if they're getting beaten up every day. You don't know if they're being abused in some measure. See, y'all, we're, we're immune to it. We, in our mind, we don't think that stuff occurs. But there are kids all over that high school today, and you think they're just bad attitudes. They got bad home. However, this kid had the right spirit about him. I don't know how to explain it. When she told me this situation, she said, this is the condition of this situation. She said, and, and, and we're trying, you know, people try to help along the way or whatever. And I didn't, I, you know, I just sat back and said, Lord, if you open the door for me to help this young man, I will. I want to know it's you. I will. Because you know I can. But I want, it to be, I want it to be you. And he showed up here to Hallelujah Night. All dressed up. He was in a Spider-Man outfit. Now, this is a senior at high school. It's not some little kid. So, I mean, it was really, you know, I mean, he stuck out. 
And afterwards, it's packed. You know, you know 5,000 people here. You can barely walk around. Can't even see straight. He says, can you give me a ride home? I heard the Lord. Here's your moment. I have never in 20 years taken a kid home from church. And I wouldn't encourage my staff to do it. And never alone. So I got one of my guys with me. I said, yes, I'll take you home. I squeezed through every car, pulled through everything, and drove that kid to his house. And from that day to this, the Lord has allowed me to bless his life. I mean, just bless his life. Because God has provision. You didn't get here on your own. Don't think your education got you here. Somebody got you there with a breath. You didn't breathe on your own. I wish somebody would get what I'm talking about today. Do you actually think your legs are working today because you made them work? Do you think your fingers work because you were so great? Do you think your ears work today? Because, I mean, wherever you're at and whatever you do... God helped you to do it. You are where you are because God helped you to do it. You have provision. And through Jesus Christ, he's given us greater provision. He's provided. You ought to be excited that tomorrow's going to be better than today. Boy, if you just leave here today, if every day you leave this church and you get your mouth in gear and you start saying what God said and you start speaking to the mountain. You know, when I think about a Mark 11, 23 and 24, one of the greatest faith scriptures there are, I'm going to, I'll be done in just a minute. Y'all hang in there just a minute. But as I'm talking, I just sense this stuff coming up. Mark 11, 23 says, you'll say unto that mountain, be thou removed, plucked up and cast in the sea. Shall not doubt in your heart, but you'll believe the thing you say shall come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. Let, let me say it again. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, when you say unto that mountain, be thou removed, plucked up, cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe the thing that he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Now I want you to see this. He says, when you say, is this, is this the King James? Put it in King James if you got it. I say unto you that whosoever shall say, put your finger up, one, unto this mountain, be thou removed. Be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe the thing he says, put your hand up too, shall come to pass, he'll have whatever, number three, he says. Do you see it? Three times in this scripture, it uses the word said. I don't see pray. I don't see bed. I see a difference. The difference is he's expressing to us that as believers we have authority. When you are in Christ and Christ is in you, he said you would have authority. And believers, Christians somehow think they're praying that God will somehow make this mysterious work on their behalf and do some mysterious thing for them and come down out of heaven and re-perform what he already performed. When Jesus said it's finished, he meant it. It's not going to be finished. It is finished. When he died and rose from the dead, all that we ever needed, all we will ever need was done. When I accepted him, he came to live in me. That's why he said, for whosoever. That whosoever. 
Put your finger on your chest. Say, I'm a whosoever. That's me. He's talking about me. Shall say unto that mountain. It didn't say, say to other people. It didn't say, get a prayer chain. It didn't say, it said, when you talk to the mountain. You were born with dominion when you were in the garden. When you sinned, you left dominion. But Jesus restores your dominion. That's what we talk about when we talk about eternal life and all that eternal stuff we have. It's about here and there. When you say to them, look at this. There's only once in this scripture it says believe. It takes three times the saying as it does believing. Why? Because saying is what will move things in your life. It will move them out of your way. It will transform situations. Your speech, what you say, it's not just sitting and listening. It's if you can leave here and when you walk out the door, you get your head held up and say, I mean, you may know that the bank account is empty. You may know you don't have enough for electricity on Monday. But lift your head up anyway. And say, my Redeemer draws nigh. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. My electric bill is paid. Well, what if it don't happen? What if it don't happen? Keep saying it until it does. Keep speaking until you see it. Keep speaking your victory. Keep confessing. Keep talking. Keep speaking. And believing will come. You're a believer. You have eternal peace. Eternal. That's just, that's just, if you, if you could just get it. Why does he have us speak? Why does he tell me to say stuff? Because if I could just get you to talk. The word of God. Speak the word of God. Because see, God's word is anointed. It is anointed. And when you speak God's word out, you transfer his word from your mouth to your earthly condition. But it is you that does it. You are the transfer. You are the one. That, he said the word of faith is nigh you. The word of faith is nigh you. It's even in your mouth where we speak, the Bible says. Faith is in you. Verse 24 is wonderful. It goes on to say this. Ta-da! I want you to read it. Ah! Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. Listen, I could give you all kinds of great theological stuff and leave you thinking, wow, and not leave here with anything. Some of that you just got to get on your own. You got to study, have Bible groups, get in our prayer groups, get deeper. But I want you to live today and tomorrow and the next week and the next week. I want you to change your religious thinking. From religiosity to what is truth. You shall say unto that mountain. And I keep saying this over and over again. Because I just believe it's going to get in your mouth. Transformative. Configurative. 
God created the heavens and the earth by the words of his mouth. By the words of his mouth. Matter of fact, if we looked at verse 22, it says, have the faith of God. It says that you can have the faith of God. Then he said, you'll say unto that mountain. Look at that. You could have the very faith of God. You shall say. Great provision. Number four. A direct line to God. Jesus is our direct line to God. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says it. We can have a direct line to God. This applies to material things, social things, peace, favor. We have a direct line to the Father. Number five, joy. John 15, 11 says, I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, a joy that is overflowing. Jesus' words directed us to great joy. Number six, heaven on earth. Luke 17, 21. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Number seven, family and friends. These are eternal truths through Jesus. Number seven, family and friends. God places people in our lives that are there to help us and grow us and bless us. He finds us in the middle of something, something, somewhere, somehow. You don't know how God does it. When you have a Holy Ghost person that listens, they can spot you by the Holy Ghost in the middle of a Starbucks. They can see you around a corner when nobody else can. They can spot you on a band field or on a basketball field. They can spot, they see by the Holy Ghost. And God gives eternal truth for you to receive a blessing. And once you receive it, once it becomes real to you, and you start realizing how God can pick you out of a nowhere, when you're looking and you're searching, you don't know how they were the ones that invited. How did they, how were they the ones that talked to you at that moment or that place at that time? Because God loves you that much and he wants to transform your life that much somebody ought to say amen. amen and then he gives you family and friends listen to what it says in ephesians 4 15 and 16 instead we'll speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like christ who's the head of his body the church he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing in full love he gives us great grace, provisions that we didn't do, God's unmerited favor. Number eight, great grace. These are eternal things through Jesus, through, the, through, through Christmas. Number nine, healing. Healing belongs to us. It's an eternal gift given by God for us. And number 10, abundant life. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that you could have life and that more abundantly. God wants you to have an abundant life. Through this Christmas season, I want you to know these 10 things. Let me repeat them one more time, and then we'll go. And I thank you for coming on this rainy day. Number one, salvation, eternal gift. Peace, number two, that passes all understanding. Number three, God has given provision that's absolutely sure for us. Number four, we have a direct line to heaven. Number five, we have great joy, joy that's unspeakable, full of glory. Number six, we can live in heaven on earth. Say amen. Number seven, family and friends. People that can love us, we can love back. Number eight, great grace. Great provision from heaven. Number nine, healing from heaven. Healing belongs to you. It belongs to me. And number ten, abundant life. Amen. Stand up on your feet. Amen. Amen.